VIP Access with Aniko. Welcome to VIP Access. This is episode nine of the second season of my podcast. The YouTube show has been in existence from 2018. And as I promised you, every single week I'm sitting down with an amazing creative. I told you they might not be from Kenya. And this week I'm very happy to be speaking to an individual from South Africa. She's an award-winning storyteller, a singer, songwriter, TV host, a creative entrepreneur. There's actually nothing she can do. I'm, I'm She's going to tell us if there's something she can't do, but I believe there's nothing she cannot do. Pilani Bobo! Hi, hello, good day. <laughs> hello, what's up? I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? I'm good. I'm so happy to see you, you know, for you to be in my country in Kenya, yeah. because I follow you on social media and you travel a lot. So when you dropped in Kenya, you know, I saw you doing all the media, all the shows. And so many in like a span of one week, I'm like, yeah. girl, this this girl really works. <laughs> it's part of the work. I mean, we have like very limited time in any space at one given time. And, you know, to be in the same space as collaborators or, or people that you enjoy working with, what you try and do is make sure that you want, you do everything that you can think forward. So we're shooting videos, content, but also finishing songs. We finished a big song yesterday. So you just kind of pack it all in and yeah, make the most of the time. Whoa, fantastic. So I first want to get into Pilani, the person, the mm. individual, you know, your interests. Yeah. Because you term your music as jazzy soul folk. Some of it is very soulful, some jazzy. Sometimes it's a mix of all of that. And then you are super creative, you know, from mm. uh, being a creative entrepreneur to being an artist and performing and traveling and you're on TV Damn, girl, like how do you describe yourself and what you love to do? Well, fundamentally, the thing that I know is at the core of everything that I do is storytelling. So, you know, I'm kind of pushing the narrative of the indelible storyteller. The stories that I like to tell are stories that help people shift their consciousness, aid some kind of transformation, some form of enlightenment, and just tie impact stuff also in some of the creative work that I do as an entrepreneur and for other businesses mm. that I help tell stories. In essence, whether it be music, which is my first love, design, which is my second love, <laughs> it's always storytelling. And I think if there's a beautiful story to be told that can change someone's lives, I'm there, anyone's life, actually. Yeah. yeah. And how do you manage to still do all the things you love to do? Like you talked mm -hmm. about your first love, your second love, and now there's a lot of touring. Um, how do you balance all that? Is it that you have a very strong team or is it that you are literally working 24-7? But how do you make it work? Hey, I love my sleep. I don't know about 24-7 <laughs> work. I know there's always this idea that creatives, you know, don't sleep. There are creatives who don't sleep and people enjoy working at night. I actually live a very sort of... I think it's kind of same to anyone who lives, who works in corporate. I just choose or prioritize which things are first. Mm -hmm. So I always like to call it my prioritization matrix. So if I look at my little triangle, what's sitting at the bottom, what's sitting at the top. And quite often some of the things that can help you fund some of the things you're doing can be done in shorter spaces of time and in less time. Mm -hmm. So people who work jobs, which is what I did 10 years ago, will be spending so much of their time building someone else's dream, but also spending so much time there, even dead time, yes. that they're not as productive with everything else I'd like to do. Mm -hmm. And I think so 10 years ago, quitting my job has given me an abundance of time, but also the opportunity to choose what I do when. So no one day is the same or, or no one week is the same. And I kind of went into a model where I worked, 
on other jobs, like helping other people six months of the year and then traveling and singing six months of the year. Mm. And it's really a lot of time management, but also really a value system. So if I feel that my purpose clearly sits within music first as my first medium, then a lot of the work that I'm doing or how I spend my time is on music. Though it's a very, very funny matrix in terms of financials because music doesn't always pay off or as rapidly as time spent on something else. Mm-hmm. But it's also quite empowering to have the opportunity to expand yourself as a creative and diversify in order to enable like your first love. So I have other things that I do that enable my first love and allows me to kind of balance out my joy. Fantastic. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Oh my God. So, such, a, such a beautiful way that you've explained how you make it work. And you speak about the music not always paying off as other things would. So where would you say your music is paying off the most? Because you tour a lot. Do you yeah. actually make a lot of money touring or... Or is it just like the experience for you as well? There's different kinds of tours. So yes, I mean, the creation process, like recording an album and making music videos is an exorbitant sort of task financially. Mm. But the live music space is the dominant paying space for us. Because streaming, I mean, the revenues are really, really low. And also running media tours, it may seem to an artist at a time to pay your PR person and your radio plugger um, a lot of money that you don't have isn't fruitful but actually if you appear on television and you appear on radio stations very music gets on rotation the long end it does come yeah back it does on a rolling period of two years yeah and then it's also about being very strategic about releasing your projects it took me a while to learn because i'm a diy artist i'm self-managed self-published self basically the label and everything so i'm the funder and the artist you know in, in kind of doing everything and it takes time but you've got to go trial and error so you've got to see where you need to roll out your plans so essentially whatever you tour when you release a project that's the project that you're touring and quite often we create that haphazard feeling mm-hmm. when we're releasing so a repertoire of work and an album is essential so I, I would encourage artists not to take too long to create a body of work that is conceptual and sound because then people can figure out what it is you're selling it's like branding 101 yes, you know yes, yes. it helps even if your name is the brand your projects become these sub brands and products that people can latch on to so I think what I've done in over the last 10 years is really trying to create clear sound concepts and products that then are tourable. Mm. That's what you tour. So I do kind of enjoy the idea of touring. Touring does pay in some instances when the, the shows are coming out of something that's solid. But there's also promo tours that are just value driven. Like the one we're doing now is literally a promo tour and any revenue that we're getting in, we're putting into shooting videos and content. Mm. So it's a give and a take. A lot of it is sacrifice, but there's also a lot of reward. And where did you meet Afronautic, you know, who's Kenyan? Yeah. You've collaborated with him. You've done the, some shows with him already. I saw you guys doing interviews because I met him at their studio yeah. a long time ago. They used to be part of the producers of Coke Studio. So I know him as a really amazing creative, but then we don't see him like doing songs like that. So it's been interesting to see you, you know, take him out like yeah. that. Well, I met Sean through his management, which is Jerry Colisa, which is a South African duo, Nigello and Tash. Mm -hmm. And the idea was during lockdown, they were working on models to cross-pollinate, like they're building a producer-artist image for Sean. Mm -hmm. So it was really about him collaborating with artists like just outside of Kenya as well, and also coming forward as a producer and as an artist. And so we collaborated on a song called As We Lay, and we hadn't even met in person. So literally, um, Nigello, the team from Jerry Colisa, sent me the the track. And I wrote on it and then sent it back and then... 
yeah, so if he, he liked it and then we met on the phone and yeah, did, did this entire thing and released the song without even meeting. And then a year ago, I came to Kenya to promote what was the full body of work for me called Lockdown Love Story, which also yes. Samuel Sachangi, who's was or is part of EA Wave, yes. produced while well, he was in Cape Town. And oh, he produced the entire Down love story. Yeah, really? Yeah. Oh my God, I didn't know that. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, so it's a very much a Kenya meets South Africa project. Nice. And yeah, so uh, then Sean and I got into studio like in person for the first time and that expanded our work. We wrote more and more songs. There just seems to be a lot of chemistry between us. I'm going to roll out a series of singles. We had another one, Funabani, that was featured on a Netflix series, 2022. And yeah, so it's been a very interesting idea, kind of bridging these two worlds of saying, well, the production work and any live instrumentals laid on a track by a producer artist is equally that that brand should also come forward. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been beautiful journey also performing live and expressing some of those elements and for me it meant kind of mixing live music space with a bit of electronics which has been really beautiful yeah what's the feedback especially from your fans you know everywhere you go in Kenya particularly when you perform some of them might already know you some of them might not know you but I feel like your music is made for the live performance as well like when I hear the record I'm like I want to see her on stage yeah so it's not all the music that you listen to is well palatable on stage but I feel like you are such a performance artist I'm definitely 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 a live music yeah it's been over years it's always been I've always recorded live records essentially all the instruments I've never really worked with electronics but also turning some electronic productions into live has been very interesting and always works better I think the live music space is always going to feel best for me and it music grows on you when you write a song that's one particular moment but music evolves you change the way you phrase something uh, things change in the music you hear something new and because I travel and work with local artists around the world there's always new bands that I'm working with that you know have a, a different interpretation or feel something else in the music that might change the mood in the music as well or maybe enhance some of the moods in the music and so yeah I definitely do think that it's even better live <laughs> and yeah so I definitely do enjoy uh, performing live and it's definitely a top quality for me cool I saw an interview and you mentioned that you have a twin sister I do what's your twin sister like um who is she what does she do well, actually, she's been living in Kenya for the last year. She's just moved back to South Africa. What? I know. Maybe There's people have been seeing her around. Kenyan connection with Pilani. Yeah. What? So when I was here last year, I yeah, she kind of like moved here. She was seconded here. She works for Coca-Cola. So she's working in the region here to kind of transform some of the channels and the distribution uh, within the space. Wow. She's gone back to South Africa now. And she will come back again? Uh, she loves this place. I really hope she can. But not at the moment. There's no plans. So we'll see how she works it out. So she's also kind of a marketeer, but also she sings. She can sing. <laughs> we sing wow. together. We hope that one day we can figure out wow. doing a project together. You guys are such high achievers. Hey, I think <laughs> I saw you also kind of give credit to your you know, parents. Yeah. They brought you up, like giving you the courage to do what you want to do. Yeah. How is it now with the parents? Are they very proud to see you do you? Yeah. I mean, it hasn't changed the energy of exploration and the energy of kind of becoming whoever you wish to be. You know, as free space is, is always going to be maintained. And it was always like that when we were young. But I lost my father in 2021, January. Sorry about COVID that. Period. 
I mean, he's definitely been the free spirit in the two relationships. My mom is more, is an enabling, empowering, generous person. Mm-hmm. Figuring out the finances. My dad is definitely the creative who had the latent talent. And he, I mean, he's always been very proud, a very vocal, proud father. And I think that energy always will live with you wherever mm-hmm. you go. You'll always feel that whatever novelty or new thing that you're exploring, your parents are riding that wave with you. Do you know what I mean? In openness. So yes. it's definitely still that. In our family, you can chop and change, decide and be whoever you want to be. But I think the fundamental thing as you grow up, and I'm not going to mention my age, <laughs> is, you know, our parents did such a good job raising us and investing in the things that they needed to that they empowered us quite sooner. Like we were out of their pockets at 22. Whoa. Do you know? So really the energy that we need from them now or continued energy is just that love and that pride and to know that you've got them. You know, so it's really mere presence, not just physically and in spirit. And that presence is strong and it goes with you in a sense. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like they're there to be the cushion, even though it still is a cushion. Yes. But they empowered us quite early that we were free from their pockets and were free to explore and yeah, and do things without them. They were also quite explorative the entrepreneurs who kept jobs but had two businesses and kept exploring. So, yeah, they're really inspiring. And um, also wanted to talk about your TV show, yeah. which has been very successful. You've had 10 seasons. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask what's next for your interior design show? What are the fans asking for, you know? Man, the Design For You fans love Design For You. I mean, quite of, and I feel like the channel doesn't want to you know, give them a wrap. I'm like, guys, let's package this thing and be like 10 seasons done. So Design For You came out of the the space that people really wanted to learn interior design. It was new, the sort of DIY space, giving people the tools and the fundamentals of design. And I think as a market, people do evolve with you. So I feel that Design For You as a fundamental show, like mm-hmm. here are the basics of a design. These are things you need to be looking for. Let's inspire you. I think we've moved past that. I think we're in a phase where we, or at least for myself, using that expert opinion for more elevated ideas and also just, yeah, like sharing a little bit more of an opinion rather than showcasing. Because I think we've really grown the design market in South Africa and showcased so many designers who've grown their careers in a sense. Fantastic. And now it's just to say, like, what do we as South Africans or Southern Africans as show broadcast in 10 countries, I think, across the continent, like, where are we now? Like, where should design go? Where are we moving? And just be a little bit more like to see into the future and allow ourselves to have an opinion about that. So I'm hoping that this year, which has sort of been a promise, we'll be able to kind of like format a new show and roll with that. And when do you even shoot? So we'll shoot back to back. Okay. Yeah. So it won't. So you always like block a period, a period of time. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. And you know, for those creatives who are listening or watching, what would you advise them? Maybe five tips to staying on your path. Because I feel like as a creative and working with other creatives, because yeah. I'm a music publicist and I work with various artists. Sometimes artists feel like. I can be this and this and this, but you actually can if you manage your time properly, if you have a proper value system that you spoke about. Thank you for that. But you're one creative who seems to be dabbling in everything you love to do and you still manage to sleep at night. (laughs) Man, I think that the first thing that we can talk to, as mentioned, is the boxes. I think, yes, there is a form of categorization you do need to have in order to prioritize so that you don't lose yourself in the things that are like least 
on your list. So like top of the list, this is how much time I'm going to spend on something. Part of my, my list is that. But I think what I found in watching other people struggle with like their artistry is going, well, I'm, a, I'm just a singer and I just need to focus on these things. And if you break out of that box and you allow yourself to do more, you can actually do more for yourself. And I think that kind of DIY culture as artists is going to be dominant because a lot of the time we are very unhappy because we are conceptual and very specific. I tend to be very unhappy with what people design for me or like create. So I do my own posters, my own CD artwork. I conceptualize like almost everything. And it is to trust that sense of intuition. So I'm going to move into number two, which is to protect your own creativity. So the first one, break out of the box mm. because then you're not freeing yourself to be fully creative because creativity has no bounds. Like we are all intermingling and cross-pollinating. Number two, just trust yourself and the ideas that you have. And I think one of the trip-ups that you know, you'd experience earlier on in life is feeling that the industry owes you something. So there's like these these roles that must be filled. There must be a manager and there must be this and there must be the label. And we we see it in big industry, but in Africa, we have very infant industries in a sense. So the, the, the most developed entertainment industry is America. So if we watch all these movies and we see things happening in a particular way, we have to have a clear sense as to where we are in our industry, in your city, in your country. And to know that actually we're still part of the teaching and part of the growing. Yeah. So which means we're gonna do quite a lot for ourselves. So in essence, to protect your own creative, your creative work or at least your creative ideas by realizing that you're at the forefront and you should be leading the pack. So actually you brief in to service providers and all these stakeholders what you would like and take control of your creativity. Number three, watch out for moments of resentment. So coming out of number two, we resent the industry when things don't work out for us, but what we don't realize is what is not in place in the industry to help us. So some of those things could be not enough live music spaces, mm. uh, not enough media, mass media, you know, kind of supporting local artists, which then creates a, an air of competition, which then at a particular point in time, there can only be so many artists held at that kind of top 20 list, which then becomes the same list that gets churned out at festivals on a rolling period of 10 to 20 years, it can happen. So we've got to understand that, I mean, that's not because the industry is competitive. It is because the climate isn't right for so many artists to exist at a particular level in media. So we then have to look at how do we then create opportunities for ourselves? How do we create venue spaces for ourselves? How do we build an audience for ourselves? And these days it's all about community management. So anyway, you need to grow and build an audience build or build your audience, mm. you know? And so that resentment can really stumble you. It's very paralyzing because you kind of like stop and then you're filled with this like, oh man, things are not working out but really yeah. it's you know the power if you see what's wrong is in your hands to aid the industry along number four for me would be as an artist we want to be doing only that which we love so we just want to be doing that yeah and i would say that stagnation happens when we don't realize okay what else do you know, so for me, I feel that a lot of my audiences have been built and inspired by people I meet in other spaces. So if I'm working on a TV show or a content piece for a brand mm -hmm. or another client, it's all just people. Really life is, and everything that we do that we share in life is all about the people. So maybe number four is about the people, really seeing the people for what they are. Mm -hmm. I know fanship and like all these things become a, a whole thing but then we start to dissociate with people yeah so they are fans and then there is me and yes. then we start to like really feed the ego and i think that everything that's worked for me in traveling touring collaborating finding myself in new spaces has been about people the intersections i've had with people and how i've grown those relationships 
and where they've taken me. So I, I, I just want to encourage artists to ride the idea that they're first human and they're here having a human story and it's the people that actually let their lives flow into the different opportunities that mm. they have. And number five, I don't know. Okay, let me go with my intuition on this one. Just maybe empowering any artist with the idea that, wow, I have the word collaboration in my mind. And, and it's such a, it's an interesting thing because we don't always find it. I find Kenyans are still very heavily like grounded when it comes to the industry and collaborating in South Africa. It's, it's kind of a blessing and a curse that we have such evolved industry, Yes, you know, that we have such infrastructure and it means that everything that we do is so commercialized and so corporatized that it becomes expensive. And then we don't know how to move. So here, videographers, filmmakers, stylists, people are still sort of collaborating at a value that is far lower than a corporate value. In South Africa, it's hard. It's still at corporate value. So if I'm looking for a DOP, a filmmaker, they can love the work, but then they're not always so moved mm. first by the work and the intersection as people. They moved more by, okay, it's a job and I can make and I can build a portfolio, but still the rates are quite high. And so I think as Africans first and as creatives in Africa collaborating, really need to find a balance between the value systems that we're sharing and, you know, collaborate between suites. Do you know? So, and quite times I often go back to the same people. So I work with illustrators in Ghana <laughs> and I'll go back to the same people to do the same thing. And I, you know, I flew in my, a friend of mine who's a DOP in Ghana to spend New Year's with me. We shot like seven videos, do you know? And it's because of the intersection we're having as artists and as creatives that we respect each other's work. Mm -hmm. You know, that would have cost me half a million, yeah. you know, in South Africa, but it just, that exchange that we have about creating beautiful work and respecting each other's music, do you know? It's just this exchange. So I think collaboration can really get us very far. Mm. If you can see who those people are in your life that value your work, that you can value their work and you can enhance what they are doing, mm. do it. So yeah. don't feel alone. Just look around for your collaborators. They're right there, right under your nose. Sometimes some people walk into your life for a very short period of time and it's just your openness to how they want to intersect with your work and believe in like what shines out of you and what you're helping shine out of them. And then together you can kind of like build bigger light, do you know, and showcase the work a lot better. Those are 10 tips in five. <laughs> You're going to need to put like straps and headlines there. Uh, marketing, PR, everything 101, artists, um, relations, everything. Thank you so much, Pilani. I'm going to ask you a few quick fire questions before we finish. So where did you have the best performance ever? Oh, my God. I think, yeah, my best performance ever at this point, because obviously there's always a best performance until the next best one yes. comes. At the end of 2021, September, just after we waited through lockdown to do this, I did a festival in France called uh, Music Matisse. It's in Angoulême. It's been around since 1976. And the whole idea, we were part of this kind of Africa 2020, so it was supposed to happen in 2020, but I was one of the artists that came from, from Africa. And I didn't come with my band or any band that I'd elected. So I performed to the band that was half Nigerian, half Ghanaian, and we were in quarantine for like 10 days. So we had like three or four rehearsals where they went through my music. But because these guys loved South African music so much, they sang in harmony to my songs. All five of them sang in harmony to my... It was like Ladysmith, Black Mambazo. <laughs> Plus they played their instruments. And it, and it was like one of the best examples of how it can be if all the harmonies were in and all the instruments were in live. Mm. And we were on the big main stage in the afternoon at sunset. 
you know, and it, it just felt like so depictive of what I would have wanted. Mm. And it was like on the bill with Angelique Kijo, who performed right after me. And it just was such a good expression of South African music and, and what I would like. I mean, a 10 piece band would be great, but to have a five piece band plus voices, five voices was incredible. Yeah. So I think that was definitely my best performance, like best feeling of a live performance yet. Best food. Hey. <laughs> Man, I think Vietnamese food is the best. The best food I've ever had was in Vietnam mm. and it's still right at the top of my list. The Vietnamese street food, fresh, crisp, amazing. It's like a mix of the barbecue and a mix of like the veg and the grills or stir fries or light, fresh, crispy vegetables, you know? Best album and why? So, you know, obviously we're all growing through time. So my first EP was like a demo EP to me. Second album was really an expression of my transition into like my creative world and my light. And then Folklore Chapter One was very nerve-wracking because it was founded off the inspiration of traditional folk music. Mm. So somewhere in there are like these traditional folk covers and redoing like songs like Gongo Tane and, and feeling like it could go really bad or it could go really good. So I think surprisingly, Folklore Chapter One, which won the South African Music Award yes. uh, for Best African Adult Contemporary Album, surprised me. And then maybe that the nerves that I was having about it and what I poured in to give it that essence has been a magic, like one of the best experiences of my life because I really didn't come in like confident about like the reception, but it was a, it's a really good risk mm. and with good cause because out of that, I founded a festival called Folklore Festival. I realized that the conversation was bigger than me. What I was trying to do had to be done by all of us in preserving our culture and our heritage, you know, and it's a series of albums that are gonna coming out soon. So Folklore Chapter Two comes out in September and it just spitballed something bigger than me telling a personal, but a, a spiritual, uh, an African story over time. So there's gonna be five albums coming out of that project. So it's definitely gotta be, I guess best album because Fantastic. it just had so many has so many fruits out of it. Best city and why? My favorite city in the whole wide world has been New Orleans. I think there are other cities coming up that I've experienced that are like competing with it, but there was a very uh, spiritual African magic. African magic sounds like juju. <laughs> <laughs> a very African. It's like was the most African city in, in America. And also the most musical city, like 200 venues around the city, birthplace of jazz. There's definitely something amazing there in the live music space and the musicians there and the energy that they exude. Mm. And also just the feeling of knowing that so many Africans through slavery converged at a place like Congo Square. And it was a mix of gospel and traditional music and, and all of this that kind of founded this, this music, you know, mm. and it was being able to trace some of these in musical influences that we so love and bringing them back home mm. from one city. And it was also the city where when I quit my job, say 2011, and recorded my first EP, that's the first place that I went, oh, like really? five days after finishing and printing my first record. And I was supposed to be there like five days. I stayed three months because I had these intersections with some musical greats who invited me on stage and performed in like really beautiful platforms. And it was kind of like God giving me a nod saying, you're in the right place. This is what you should be doing. And like, keep doing it and it just like sealed that deal with myself and music fantastic and what's the best advice you've ever been given when I quit my job 10 years ago someone said to me it takes 10 years to become an overnight success and it fueled the kind of energy that allowed me to persevere and not give up but also to realize that's going to be a list of variables that people will not see as you strive and work and improve and grow that one day will look like it happened overnight 
but actually it's been the work. And so it's given me the grace that I've given myself to allow myself not to think that the breakthrough is going to happen because I thought that song was so amazing mm. <laughs> or that, oh, this could be it and not stop chasing the breakthrough and stop chasing, you know, like that fame, but rather just like working on, on yourself. And if you are committed to this journey, then and it's lifelong and it's true and it's honest and your intentions are good, that it will come back to you and that it will feel like it was overnight. But actually, it was a lot of work put in and not being afraid to put in that work. Mm. Yeah. Are you happy with where your career is at this very moment in time? And where do you want to um, maybe expand? I think you spoke about an upcoming album. Yeah. You spoke about several tours, several residencies you're working on. What else do you intend to do in the rest of the year? Because you started on such a high note. Yeah. In my inner world, which is mostly the creative work that I put out, it, my, my creative work is on steroids. Like, I have to slow myself down. So <laughs> Sean and I are releasing an EP. Folklore Chapter 2 is done. I have an album, that box that I've finished, that I've been writing for six years, that I, I don't know when to release. And it's just going to be about, I want to allow this year to be a deeper year, like to, to kind of like slow down and not fear death. <laughs> Just allow myself to go, I have time to release all these things. So Kenya has been a part of like kind of highlighting a few singles and prepping the work for the EP with Sean and myself, which is obviously completely different. It's a really electronic project. Mm -hmm. And then Folklore Chapter 2, we're releasing in Europe in, in September. Fantastic. So there'll be a buildup of singles and music videos that we're going to release before that so that we don't keep people waiting for too long. Mm. I know it's going to sound like a lot, but it's going to be about storytelling. I'm going to challenge myself to make sure that I can handhold everyone through the journey of these expressions and these stories you know like I'm the kind of person that can read three books at the same time so I'm hoping other people can do that too <laughs> so I'm like okay there's a series of books coming out guys so there's like inner world with my self and short this book chapter just say you read three books at the same time yeah, sometimes I read two at the same time yeah sometimes but there's like three. that self-help well, thing yeah, yeah. that you're like okay I gotta put this down now because my head is gonna explode <laughs> and then you need to read something that's like novel like that flows very yes. easy you know and then maybe that kind of you get to a part where you're like this writer is not hard up you know it just happens yeah. you know yeah. so then you keep sort of three books open around your pedestal <laughs> you know but yeah so there's a lot of things coming up lots of residencies lots of touring and yeah I think it's gonna be I'm not gonna say that because in 2020 we said it was gonna be a magical year and then things happened yeah but we're gonna flow into it and we're gonna allow all the things that yeah we want to happen to to align themselves oh wow fantastic you are so so amazing like it's been such an amazing opportunity for me to sit down here with you thank you thank you to jess my friend your friend part of your Shout management okay. he made this happen if it wasn't for jess i don't know how i was gonna get hold of this yeah. thing super busy so thank you so much i wish you well in your travels in your releases in your every endeavor you put your hand mm. to i think it's been very inspiring for me to sit down with a creative who strives to thrive in yeah. everything she puts her hand into with so much grace and it's just so inspiring <laughs> to see such an amazing powerful and inspiring lady and woman asante up. asante sana asante sana if you wanna say anything to your Kenya fans and all the other fans from around the world who might be listening what would you like to tell them man i think i should say asante sana because nairobi uh second to paris after johannesburg is one of my top cities on my streams so please oh. keep streaming the music keep following the journey i'm absolutely in love with kenyan creatives so you'll definitely see more from me and catch any live shows if you can it's transcendental it's magical and it's just a shared space that we can all yeah enjoy
Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Pilani Bubu in all her grace and splendor. Thank you so much. And next week, come again. VIP Access will have another amazing artist from somewhere around Africa. VIP Access with Aniko.